0: Praise the Lord. Give him another hand of praise today. Amen. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5 through 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5 through 9. Amen. Isn't God a good God? Wonderful God. He is a miracle worker, a way maker, a promise keeper. Amen. 1 Corinthians 3, 5 through 9. Who then is Paul, who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one? I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then, neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. And each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. I want to speak to you today on the subject, the due season. The due season. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we need you right now. And Lord, we thank you for your servants that have led us into your presence, Lord, through praise and worship today. And we pray, God, that you have plowed our hearts to receive the engrafted word. We're asking, Lord, for our hearts to receive it and for it to grow on good ground and bring forth much fruit. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Give the Lord another hand of praise. Amen. 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 We have all been called into the master's field. I told you a few weeks ago about the young man that his pastor said to him, that GP in the sky didn't mean go preach for you, it meant go plow. And I said, everyone is called to plow. And everyone is called to plow and everyone is called to plant. That is not the job of, of ministers, of clergy. That's the job of the church. He has called all of us into his field. But sometimes we plow and sometimes we plant and sometimes we water and it seems that the earth will never yield its plenty. That was part of the curse, wasn't it? That when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden that the Lord said to Adam, this this garden that you've been tending that I planted for you, you're going to be expelled from that garden and now you're going to have to fight the earth for uh, its yield. There's going to be thorns and thistles. There's going to be pestilence. And you're going to earn your living by the sweat of your brow. And in the spiritual sense, it seems like that, doesn't it? It seems like that it is a fight to the very end. That we, we labor and we pray and we plow and we plant and we water and we fertilize. And it seems like that the harvest will never come. Whether it's a harvest of souls, whether it's a harvest of blessings, whatever it is that we've been sowing, there is a time that it, we just walk by faith. But I want you to know that no matter how barren the fields and no matter how bleak the season, if you'll keep plowing and you'll keep planting and you'll keep watering, if you'll keep on, if you'll keep going, you're going to uh, reap a harvest. I've got to tell you that in the Lord's work, as much as you love souls and love other people, there will come a time that the love of people is not enough to keep you going. You may feel a great sense of call, a great burden for the Lord to share His Word, but there will come a time that that burden will seem to fade. You may derive a great sense of satisfaction out of teaching Sunday school or leading in worship, or laboring in the church you may get a great deal of satisfaction out of sharing the Word of God with people. It may light your fire to witness to people or to sing a special. However God has you laboring in His field it may bring a great sense of satisfaction but there will come a time when even that is not enough. There comes a period in time where it boils down to laboring for one thing And that's at the end of this journey to hear him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things, and I'll make you ruler over many. There have been many people that have started out like like hot rods. They've started out with a great amount of zeal, and they've done a lot of good things. But after a while up there somewhere along the lines, you've seen them fall by the wayside because they did not have the fortitude, the determination to keep going and there are times that everything else, all of the emotions, all of the excitement, even the sense of the presence of God doesn't seem to be there like you would like and it's in those moments that you hold on because we know the one that's called us to labor in his field and the one that called us Is faithful, and we're not laboring for the applause of men, and we're not laboring for worldly success. We're laboring to hear him say, well done. So you have to keep going even when it doesn't seem that the harvest will ever come. But let me encourage you, the harvest will come. In fact, in Galatians 6, 9, it says, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. In Psalm, chapter, or Psalm 1, verse 3, it even says that that tree that is planted by the rivers of living water that will bring forth its fruit, it even says that that will bring forth its fruit in its season. So don't expect that you're going to sow a seed today and tomorrow morning you're going to go back and see that seed grow. It takes some time for some seeds to grow. It takes time for harvest. To come in, there is a due season, and Galatians 6, 9, that talks about that due season, that word due actually means in its own season. That means that different kinds of seeds grow at different kinds of paces, and I want you to understand that in your life, you have your own season. You may look at somebody else and say, I wish my season came as fast as theirs. You may look at somebody else and say, I don't understand why their seeds are growing and mine aren't growing. I don't understand why they're getting a harvest and I'm not getting a harvest. But God has given us his own season. And in God's own sweet time, the seeds are going to go. And as they grow, we're going to reap a harvest. But I have found that in order to experience a due season, D-U-E, a due season, that there has to be a dew season. D-O. That if you're going to get your dew season, there has to be a dew season. That after we have plowed and after we have planted, there's more than just waiting involved in the harvest. That during that period of time that we're waiting for the seeds to grow, we're not just waiting, but we're watering. That we're still active in it. We're still doing something. Now The text that I read to you gives us three areas of labor, of work, when it comes to the harvest. First of all, it talks about my work, the work that I've been sent to do. Then it talks about our work, the work that we've been called in to do together. And then it talks about His work. For the Bible says that we are laborers together with God. We've got a part to do, and He's got a part to do. And I can't do His part, but He won't do my part. He expects me to do my part. Now, first of all, there's my work. In 1 Corinthians 3, 6, Paul said, I planted Apollos watered. Now, when my dad bought a piece of property out on the old Axon Highway out in Sotilla, an old farm, he planted some pecan trees around the, the farm. And uh, I don't know where he got them. I don't even remember who planted them, but I do remember who watered them because I had to water them now I was not at that time I was only about 11 years old I was not the Herculean figure that you see before you today <laughs> and so the water hose would only stretch so far from, so from the end of the water hose to that tree I had to get a five gallon bucket full of water and it was heavy I had to carry it tote it like this right here with both hands now, there are some beautiful, lush, green, nut-yielding pecan trees there to this day. And every time you shake that pecan tree and those pecans fall, it is pecans, not pecans, right? I heard a preacher the other night at, at, at camp meeting he said, before we leave, we've got to get some of them South Georgia pecans. I said, you ain't going to get them in South Georgia. Hey, if you're going to get them, you're going to get pecans in South Georgia. But every time you get a harvest of pecans, somebody, you paid for the trees. Somebody planted the trees. But I'm going to tell you, I watered those trees, so you're welcome. (laughs) Those trees are there because there was a due season, there was some watering that had to come on. Sometimes it's your turn to plant, sometimes it's your turn to water. But whatever time it is, God is expecting you to be faithful in the season that you're in. Now, when I, I, the, I preached a little bit, uh, touched on this last week, and I, it dawned on me as I was driving over to Blakely to preach for Scott that a, a due season requires a due season. And I said that to Crystal. I said, you know, a due season requires, because I'm from South Georgia, do, do, and do all sound like do, 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 right? <laughs> I mean, it all sounds the same to me. So, so I was saying that a due D-U-E season requires a due D-O season, but I said to her, it occurs to me that a due season requires a due season. And she said, oh, you mean D-E-W. I said, well, great, there's another point i got to add to the message now. And a dew season does require a dew season, D-E-W. And there's sometimes that the Lord waters His word with His dew. Zechariah 8-12 says, For the seed shall be prosperous, the vine shall give her fruit, and the ground shall give her increase, and the heavens shall give their dew, and I will cause the remnant of this people to possess all things. In fact, he doesn't just give to Hosea 14 and 5. He said, I will be as the dew unto Israel, and he shall grow as the lily and cast forth his roots as Lebanon. The Lord says, so when you plant the seed, there are times that my spirit, my presence, is going to be like dew that waters that seed. And that's when we witness to somebody, and when we spread the word of God, we pray for the anointing of God to be a part of that. I, it's, it's wonderful when people go through a evangelism explosion or Romans Road of Salvation and all that kind of stuff. But there's a lot of people that go and thank God for, for those that feel the responsibility to go. Thank God that they're willing to go. But many times people go and you can can't tell that they're going through a mental checklist and they're just going through a script in their mind and I've even had people witness and and after they leave they say it don't matter to me whether to get saved or not I've done my part blood ain't going to be on my hands well you don't witness to do your part you witness because you want to see people saved right and so you pray and you ask the Lord's anointing and His Spirit to open their heart and to water those seeds in fact sometimes in seasons of revival, God doesn't just send the dew, He sends the rain. Psalm 72 and 6, He shall come down like rain upon mown grass, and as showers water the earth. Job 36, uh, 27, He maketh small drops of water, they pour down rain according to the vapor thereof. Verse Job 37 and verse 6, For He saith to the snow, Be thou on the earth likewise to the small rain, and to the great rain of His strength. In other words, sometimes the seeds that we've planted, God not only sends the dew, He sends the rain. And we used to sing about it, didn't we? There shall be showers of blessing. This is the promise of love. There shall be season refreshing scent from the Savior above. There shall be showers of blessing. Send them upon us, O Lord. Grant to us now a refreshing come, and I'll honor Thy Word. Showers and showers of blessings. Showers of blessings we need. Mercy drops. Round us are falling, but for the showers we plead. And how many knows we need an old-fashioned gully washer of revival of the Spirit of God. We need the Lord to rain down upon us. It's interesting if you ever watch some of the nature uh, shows. My nana loves those animal programs, she calls them. And if you ever watch it about the desert, uh, out in the desert there will be dry earth that's cracked. And it looks like nothing could live. But under that cracked earth, there are seeds that are lying dormant. And the rainy season comes. And the next thing you know, grass begins to grow in that desert place. And I want you to know that your child, your grandchild, your neighbor, your loved one, it may look like that they're dry and baked and there's no hope of life. But I'm telling you, the seeds that have been planted for years are still lying there and the Holy Ghost reign of God can fall and they can begin to grow and prosper. If you believe it, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. So sometimes His Spirit waters the seeds that we've planted with the dew. Sometimes, at times of revival, He waters it, With the rain. But listen, sometimes God prefers to irrigate. Did you know that? I don't know why God does things in His season, but sometimes He doesn't send the dew and He doesn't send the rain. Sometimes He sends you and I. Sometimes He prefers to irrigate. John 7, 37 through 39, Jesus, on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, when they were going down and dipping water out of the pool of Siloam and sounding trumpets and dipping it out with some silver cup and pouring it out, Jesus stood up while they were doing that and he said, I am the living water. If anyone's thirst, let him come to me and drink. And then verse 38, he said, And he who believes in me, as the Scripture said, out of his heart, or out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. Verse 39, he said, this he spoke concerning the Spirit which was to come, that the Spirit would be like a well of living water, a river of living water gushing forth out of us. Sometimes God prefers to irrigate. Now, I've told people this for years about their relationship with the Lord. If I had a tree out in my yard like Daddy's pecan tree, and up at the house, you've heard me say it, there was a spigot, and that spigot had life-giving water, and I rolled out a water hose, and I hooked it to the spigot, and I turned the spigot on, and I poured uh, water onto that tree through that water hose. The water hose did not give life to the tree. It was the water that gave life to the tree. But that water hose was a necessary conduit to get the life-giving water to the tree. And that's the way spiritual disciplines are. The reasons it's important for you to read your Bible The reason it's important for you to give and tithe. The reason it's important for you to fast and to pray. The reason it's important for you to lift your voice and lift your hands and praise and worship. The reason that it's important for you to be in the fellowship of other believers and hear the Word of God taught and preached. The reason all of that is important is those are conduits that connect us to the life-giving flow of God's Spirit. And you disconnect the water hose from the spigot, and that water hose laying out there brings no life. And so you can read the Bible without the Spirit of God, it ain't going to do you any good. You can pray without the Spirit of God, it's not going to benefit you. You can go to church and without the Spirit of God, you're just doing a religious exercise. It's dry and dead and sometimes worse than useless if it's not connected to the spigot. But they are necessary conduits that when they're connected to the source, they bring the life of God to us. They are filled with grace. That's important. And sometimes as a Christian, to the harvest that you're seeking, you and I are the water hose. We are the conduit of the life-giving water. And that's why Jesus said, let thirsty people come to me because I am the water. I'm the life-giving water. If you're thirsty, come to me. But then he said to his disciples, not only am I the water, but out of you is going to gush forth the same supply that I have. I'm going to gush forth out of you because the Holy Ghost of God that has anointed me is the one that will flow through you into the lives of others and water others. John chapter 4, Jesus said to the woman at the well, he said, I, uh, if you'll ask of me, I'll give you water that you'll never thirst again. And the water that I give you will become an artesian well of, of living water. And she went into the town and she witnessed to uh, all of the people in the town and they all got wet. And the revival broke out in Samaria because she had gotten hold of the living water. And so we are the conduit. And that's why when we minister to people, we shouldn't dip into our supply and get down to the bottom of the barrel and give people muddy water. Anybody ever give anybody muddy water? We've got to have an open supply between us and the presence of God. We've got to make sure that the lines are clear so that the anointing not only flows to us but flows through us, that it bubbles up and overflows True ministry, is from the overflow. And we are, to the fields that we've planted, we are the irrigation method that God uses. Now sometimes we water. I think about this old blue-eyed soul group that there used to be in the 60s and 70s called Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Anybody old enough to remember Blood, Sweat, and Tears? In fact, when Mom and Daddy built the first house that they had over in Waycross, they named that house Blood, Sweat, and Tears because that's what they went through to get that thing built. And sometimes we water with blood, with sweat, and with tears. In fact, about 200 years after Jesus, there was a man named Irenaeus, and, and I, or Tertullian rather. Tertullian began to write about Christian martyrs, and he's the one that came up with this saying, that the blood of the martyrs are the seed of the church. That sometimes we're asked to water the harvest even with our life's blood. That there are people, just in this day that we're talking about right now, there are people that are risking life and limb just to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every time Dr. Hong Young smuggles Bibles into China, he's risking his life to do that. There are are fields that are being watered with the blood of the martyrs. And sometimes we water it with our sweat. We have invested in the harvest sweat equity. You ever heard that term, sweat equity? Sweat equity is when you don't have any money to invest, but you've made an investment of your time and your talent and your ability. In fact, when owners start up a new venture, they, also, they, they often sell to the people working for them this idea of sweat equity, and they say, I can't pay you a large salary right now, but I'm going to give you stock in this company. And if you'll put in the sweat equity and this thing will grow, you'll end up being a millionaire because you've put in the sweat equity and you've earned stock and you're going to reap a harvest. And I want you to understand something, that when you labor in the master's field, when you're out in the master's field and you're investing sweat equity, understand that you're getting stock in the kingdom of heaven. And right, right now, it might not look you're getting a big paycheck, but I want you to know there's a retirement plan that's out of this world that we've got stock in the harvest of souls that God's given. In fact, that's the whole idea of being a steward. That's what a steward was. A steward was given a piece of land and he said, you grow this land and when you grow it, I get part and you get part. The owner gets part and I get part. They were sharecroppers. My Papa Peavy grew up as a sharecropper and that's what sharecroppers did. They planted fields, they plowed them, they planted them, they watered them, they tended them, they weeded them. And when the harvest came in, the owner got part and they got part. They were sharecroppers. I want you to know that you and I are sharecroppers in the harvest of the kingdom of heaven. We are not laboring for naught. We've got some sweat equity built up in this thing. And let me say this to you. If people get sweat equity in their marriages, get sweat equity in their businesses, get sweat equity in their churches, they're not so quick to lay it down and go elsewhere because they've got an investment of time and treasure into it. So we've got sweat equity in the kingdom of God. And then sometimes we water it with our tears. Psalm 126 and 5, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Sometimes we water that seed with our tears. I don't want to embarrass her today, but my mother was there, uh, right there, and she was bewailing the other day. She said, Britt, it hurts me so bad when I'm not able to be in In church sometime I'm in such pain I'm just not able to be there and I said well mother when you're not able to be there that doesn't mean you're not able to contribute because you can right there sitting on that heating pad you can cry out to God and pray to God and let your tears and your prayers water the seeds that are being sown 40 let's see 40 let me do the math. 39 years ago, my brother, my oldest brother was off at college and he was away from God. He was backslid on God. He was doing all the things that he'd been taught not to do. He would go to sleep at night under such conviction, he would lay there and listen to an, an eight-track player. Some of you don't even have an idea what that is. Now they don't even know what CDs are. He so how do you play that on my phone? They don't even know what those are anymore. But he listen, he'd turn it down and listen to the Henson family singing to sleep, and tears would roll down his face and wet his pillow under such conviction. One day, Mama went into his room as she went into all of our rooms, and she knelt by his bed, and she began to cry out and pray to God. And she prayed and prayed and cried and cried until she couldn't do it anymore, and she went to get up, and when she went to get up, she felt a pressure on her back. Push her back down. It was the hand of God saying, You're not through watering the seeds just yet. And he pushed her back down three times. God pushed her back down. And she was watering the seeds that had been planted his whole life with her tears. There was a woman that lived back in the Middle Ages. And her son was wayward. He had followed an illegitimate child. He was a drunkard. He was so wayward. And she went to her village priest. She said, I don't know what I'm going to do with my son. And she kept going to him, bugging him. What are we going to do? What can I do? And finally, the village priest looked at her and said, listen, it's impossible but for the son of such tears to be saved. In other words, he said, that boy can run, but he can't hide. It's going to catch up with him, the tears that you prayed. And that young man got saved and became a theologian. You know, know him as St. Augustine, one of the most celebrated saints in all of history. Because of the tears, we water it with our tears. Now, there is, in the business world, there is what's called the rule of seven. And the rule of seven is is that a person has to hear your message, your advertisement, has to hear what you're promoting seven times before they even catch it. Now, if we apply that to witnessing to somebody, what if you are number one? What if you are number two? What if you're number five or number four? What if you're number six? Does it matter what number you are? Does it matter whether you plowed or planted or watered or harvested? If it's all part of the process, then you've got an investment in it. And that brings it to this. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Well, that brings us to this. There's my work and then there's our work. We're part of a process. We're part of a team. So 1 Corinthians 3.8 says, The one who plants and the one that waters are one. And they're both going to get a reward. It doesn't matter whether you're planting or watering. God sees it. God knows it. You're on the same team. You're going to get a reward for it. Verse 6, Paul said, I planted and and Apollos watered, but it was God that gave the increase. And the problem that Paul was having was that people were saying I like Paul better. People were saying well I like Apollos better. I ran into this before in my ministry when I left Pitts Church of God and came to West Ward Church of God my last Sunday there a little old lady walked by me and she was crying so hard. I put my arm around her and I said don't worry sister I said headquarters will send you a good pastor. And she looked at me through red-rimmed eyes and she said, that's what they told us the last time. That didn't happen, but it'd been funny if it did, wouldn't it? It was probably thought, but not said. And what we do is we like to choose our favorite water hoses. That's what we like to do. Some of us, we like the water hose that's the old old green kind that you can't hardly roll up. (coughs) It gets all twisted and knotted. But bless God, that's the way granny's water hose worked, and that's the water hose I like. And some of us like those new expanding water hoses. In fact, some of them are even neon colored. Boy, they're fancy water hoses. They're the latest generation in water hoses. They're not your father's water hose. And we get all concerned about what the water hose is like. But listen, if I was thirsting to death, I wouldn't care if the pipes in the house were made out of metal or PVC. If I was thirsting to death, I wouldn't care whether the water hose was rubber or whether it was expanding plastic. All I would want would be somebody to give me the water. And that's the way we like. We like people to do it our way, but the water's what we need. I remember uh, Shep Johnson telling me one time he said he had somebody come up to him uh, in his church and said, Boy, I like your preaching. And he said, Well, thank you very much. He said, I want you to know you can turn those pages better than anybody I've ever seen. I like the way you turn those pages. Well, I've seen that my whole life. I've seen people that if the pastor read from a note, he wasn't anointed. People that like, you know, if somebody's loud, they're too loud. If they're quiet, they're too quiet. Can I tell you, I'm not that concerned about style. I'm concerned about whether or not somebody is giving me the life-giving water. That's what I want. So he said, 1 Corinthians 3, 4, and 5, he says, Some says I'm a Paul, some of Apollos, but that's carnal. That's worldly thinking. Who is Paul? Who is Apollos? We're just ministers through whom you believe as the Lord gave to each one. In verse 9 he said we're God's fellow workers and you're God's field. Plant or water, it's all God's work. But here's the thing. There is my work, there is our work, and then there is His work. 1 Corinthians 3, 6, again, He said, I planted, Apollos watered, but it was God that gave the increase. And that phrase, God gave the increase, is first of all, God's guarantee of a harvest. God says, if you're faithful to plow, if you're faithful to plant, if you're faithful to water, I will give the increase. We've got God's guarantee on that. In fact, Psalm 126 and 6 says that he that goes forth weeping bears precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Psalm 85 and 12 says, yes, the Lord will give what is good and our land will yield its increase. We've got God's guarantee that if we will be faithful, he will make us fruitful. So don't be weary in well-doing. In due season you will reap if you faint not. But not only does that phrase, God gave the increase, tell us that God, that's God's guarantee, but it also says that the God that gets the gives the guarantee gets the glory. That it's God's glory, not our own, that we're laboring for. I just had to tell this because I don't really like the point that it, it makes, but I do think it makes a, a point that I'm trying to make to you. There was a preacher that was out visiting back many, many years ago, and there was a farmer out plowing his field with a mule, and it was a beautiful farm. There was hills, and, and of course there were straight furrows, and it was just gorgeous, green and lush. The old farmer came walking out, the preacher was plowing the field and the preacher took out his handkerchief and he, he wiped his forehead and sat there and talked, rested the mule and talked to the old preacher. And the preacher said, ah, brother Jones, what a beautiful farm God has given you. And the old farmer looked at him and said, yep, but you ought to seen what it was like when the Lord had it by himself. And while it's true we've got our work to do, sometimes we start taking for credit, credit for things that we don't have any credit in. Because no matter how good a farmer is, a farmer has never caused a seed to grow. Doesn't matter how deep he's planted it. Doesn't matter how much fertilizer he's poured to it. A farmer can do all he can Plow and plant and prepare and promote and prune and pray, he can, but he can't make it grow. He can water and watch and worry, but he can't make it grow. He can plant the seeds and pull the weeds, but he can't make it grow. He can fertilize and fraternize, but he cannot make it grow. Only God gives the increase. Only God gives the increase. So when we labor for the Lord, we're laborers together with him. And as I said, without us, God will not. And without him, we cannot. And we have our role. But our role will never replace his role. We can do our part, but if he fails to do his part, it won't grow. But we serve the God that has never failed. We serve the God that's always lived up to his part. Always lived up to his role. So I can sow with confidence. I can plant and plow with confidence. I can water with confidence. That if I'll do my part, God will do his part. Isaiah 55, 10 through 12. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but waters the earth and makes it bring forth and bud, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing which I send it. So if we're faithful, he'll make us fruitful, for you shall go out with joy, and be led out with peace, and the mountains of the hills shall break forth into singing before you, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. If we are faithful, God will make us fruitful. When the farmer plants a seed, as much as he loves to, and, and you know, there's guys that just love it. Now, I know how to get peas and corn. I right over here at Harvey's got them on the shelf, already canned for you. But thank God there are people that everybody doesn't do that. Regardless of what Stacey Abrams thinks. Everybody could <laughs> do that. So, thank God there are people that love it. They just love they love plowing the fields. They love what? They love the whole process. But I don't know of a farmer that loves the process so much that he does it for the process. He does it for the harvest. A shepherd may love his sheep. But he's still expecting them to produce wool. A vine dresser may love the vine and the grapes. But he's still doing it for it to produce a harvest. And God has made an investment in us. And he didn't save us because we'd be good workers. He saved us because he loved us. But... He does expect a return on his investment. He does expect us to labor in his field. Now I can tell you from my perspective, it seems like there's a lot of time that I I spend plowing. (laughs) And sometimes it's some stony ground. And sometimes it seems like I do a lot of planting and a lot of watering and I don't always see the harvest that I want. But then again, it ain't over yet. It ain't over yet. And so what we're going to do is we're going to keep plowing, and we're going to keep planting, and we're going to keep watering, And if somebody else is planting and I'm watering, I'm going to rejoice with them. They're going to rejoice with me. If I planted a seed 10 years ago and some preacher down the road sees that person saved and joined the church, I'm going to rejoice that they got the harvest because I was helping (laughs) to plant seeds. (laughs) Be not weary in well-doing for in due season You shall reap if you faint not. Would you stand today? Father, Lord, we thank you for your word that is so powerful. Lord, we thank you that your word is able able to pierce through the crust of our hearts and be planted, Lord, in our depths and grow. Lord, I'm asking that you would awaken within your people a desire to see things grow. God, life can become an adventure if we're on a mission. Lord, yesterday morning I, I whispered a prayer Lord, help me to make a difference in somebody's life today. And before the day was over, I had two opportunities. To help someone, to help a couple of folks and to speak positive words into their hearts and lives. God, help me to wake up in the morning and say, Lord, you got a field you want me to plow? Do you have some seeds you want me to plant? God, you want me to? Do you want me to water some fields today? You want me to irrigate something that's been planted? Lord, maybe today, maybe you want me to enter into somebody else's labor and harvest seeds that were planted long ago. Lord, I'm just a farmhand after all. What do you want me to do today? father the kingdom of God Lord let that be our prayer let that be our practice in Jesus name